Fellas, we got about uh, two minutes. So uh, why don't we just uh, bow our heads if you are in and ready. Let's just bow our heads for uh, a word of prayer. Amen. Uh, God, thank you so much for this time. Thank you to be with these uh, band of brothers. So great to be uh, here at the ACR conference and uh, see uh, so many old friends from the past, uh, making new friends and, uh, and being inspired by your word. Father, I do want to pray uh, for your spirit to really uh, move in a powerful way. God, may we be convicted. May we be stirred. Uh, but most of all, God, may we be, be, be inspired uh, by you, God. Thank you so much for Jesus and all that he's done. Uh, to help us to be able to grow, to help us to have a relationship with you. We're so great that he is uh, so encouraged uh, that he is the advocate that really intercedes on our behalf. And uh, Father, I do just pray that, uh, that we can all leave here inspired in a great way. Be with me as I share. Uh, we do love you. We pray all these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Great to see the brothers. Amen. Maybe we can close the door in the back if we're, uh, it is about two o'clock and I want to make sure that we do get started on time. Uh, but this, it, this class is called Unstuck. Uh, and uh, I didn't know it really what to expect. Uh, I had some ideas of who I might see, uh, but not necessarily uh, any particular individuals. Uh, but I did just want to uh, really put it out there on the floor and just ask, what were you hoping uh, to get out of this, this class? In what ways may you feel stuck? Uh, in transition. So uh, age, status of life, things of nature. So I want to make sure that I'm not uh, stagnant in transition, but having that torque to continue to move, and move up spiritually. Okay, awesome. Sounds great. Anyone else? Yeah, in the back. Okay, continue fire up zeal. Yes. Well, I think, uh, you know, you think you have your life going in one direction and you got a plan and then all of a sudden you realize that's not going to happen. Yeah, okay, great. Yes. I think finding where we have lots of options we can get overwhelmed and then just take none of the options. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Okay, yeah, practicals and remain unstuck. Okay, awesome. Yeah, one more? Maybe not. Uh, let's turn over to Second Samuel. Uh, I think, uh, you know, I think there are many things to talk about. I think one of the things that we can all be in this class, we can all relate to being stuck. Okay? Uh, which is a, a reminder of how much we need each other. Not one man has, I think, the complete answer, if you will, uh, to getting unstuck. We all are in different places uh, and so forth and etc. So it does inspire us to encourage one another. The beauty of the scriptures is uh, that we have this relevance uh, uh, in our hands. It shows us men and women who were stuck and got unstuck uh, or gone through some sort of stuck transition. Abraham, Moses, remember Elijah, uh, man, battling 750 uh, prophets of Baal, right? And then, uh, you know, at the eyes of Jezebel, you know, he's like, ah! uh, and so uh, definitely stuck. Manasseh was stuck in the book, one of the kings. Uh, John the Baptist uh, was a place where he was stuck in Luke 7, where he sends a messenger and says uh, to Jesus, are you the one that they've been talking about or not, you know? Uh, and so uh, today, what we're going to look at, or who we're going to look at, is David. 
a man who I believe was stuck in many ways and many times. Uh, and so uh, let's turn over there and look at uh, him in, ch- in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And so I do want to inspire us with that concept that there are many people who are in the Bible that were stuck uh, to inspire us and challenge us to make sure that we're studying our Bibles, uh, that the answers are always there uh, for us to look at. This has been a great study for myself, uh, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about me later. Uh, but we know that the situation with David, uh, the king of Israel, uh, in a great place, man, things are going great. Uh, in chapter, uh, uh, in Second Samuel, he is, uh, you know, hanging out on his terrace uh, when he should be out fighting in war, right? Uh, and what does he see? Man, this beautiful woman uh, across uh, uh, the horizon, if you will, uh, and uh, finds himself having her over, uh, finds himself sleeping with her. Uh, you know, uh, she gets pregnant. Uh, he panics. You know, he tries to hide it. Uh, you know, gets Uriah, who is her husband, and uh, tries to get him drunk. Uh, that doesn't work the first time. Tries again. That doesn't work. And, uh, and uh, basically says, hey, let's kill this guy. Uh, and so uh, works out a plan to have Uriah killed. Uh, Uriah is uh, killed. Uh, and his de- and is this message of him being killed is delivered by him, right, to Joab. And, uh, and you know, that is the scene. Uh, and then Nathan begins to speak to him, uh, the prophet, uh, in chapter 12. And you think, man, here is a guy who is stuck for certain. And I think one thing we got to realize is that sin uh, always leads to being stuck. You know, that's obvious. Man, man, if you've been in sin, if you're living in sin, if you're hiding and sin is going on, well, man, there's your answer. Uh, and that was only five minutes into the lesson. Uh, but let's, let's read the text here just to see what, uh, how David handles uh, this situation here. In uh, chapter 12, uh, and we'll pick up in verse 7. It says, Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. It's exposing him at this point in time. Uh, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if all this had been too little, I would have given you even more. Why did you desire the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes. You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. This is what the Lord says, out of your own household I'm going to bring calamity upon you. Before your very eyes I will take your wives and give them to the one who is close to you. And he will lie with your wives in broad daylight. We know that is his son later on. Uh, You did it in secret, but I will do this thing in broad daylight before all Israel. Then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You're not going to die. But But because by doing this, you have made the enemies of the Lord show utter contempt, the son born to you will die. 
After Nathan had gone home, the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife had born to David, and he became ill. David pleaded with God for the child. He fasted and went into his house and spent the nights lying on the ground. The elders of his household stood beside him to get him up from the ground, but he refused and he would not eat any food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they thought, while the child was still living, we spoke to David, but he would not listen to us. How can we tell him the child is dead? He may do something desperate. David noticed that his servants were whispering among themselves as he realized the child was dead. Is the child dead? He asked. Yes, they replied. He is dead. Then David got up from the ground. After he had washed, put on lotions and changed his clothes, he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house and at his request, they served him food and he ate it. His servants asked him, why are you acting this way? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you get up and eat. He answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he, that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. Then David comforted his wife, Bathsheba. And he went to her and lay with her. She gave birth to a son, and they named him Solomon. The Lord loved him. And because the Lord loved him, he sent word through Nathan the prophet to name him Jedidiah. Meanwhile, Joab fought against Rabbah of the Ammonites and captured the royal citadel. Joab then sent messengers to David saying, I have fought against Rabbah and then its water supply. Now muster the rest of the troops and besiege the city and capture it. Otherwise, I will take the city and it will be named after me. So David mustered the entire army and went to Rabbah and attacked and captured it. He took the crown from the head of their king. Its weight was a talent of gold and it was set with precious stones and it was placed on David's head. He took a great quantity of plunder from the city and brought out the people who were there, consigning them to labor with saws and with iron picks and axes, and he made them work at brick making. He did this to all the Ammonite towns. Then David and his entire army returned to Jerusalem. Uh, and so here we see a brother who was definitely stuck. And, uh, but how did he respond? How does David get unstuck when he sins big time? You can't overlook uh, that Nathan was a prophet in David's life. Uh, and we need prophets in our lives. He, man, he says the hard things. I remember at one point in time coming back from uh, overseas that I had uh, led a, a church there for uh, some time and I came back. It was in, actually in Papua New Guinea. I came back uh, and, uh, you know, the lead evangelist said to me, hey, listen, your Papua New Guinea faith ain't going to work here. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Uh, can, can you even say that to me? <laughs> uh, but I appreciate the call higher. You know, people's telling us the truth. Uh, we need men in our lives to tell us the truth. Are we with me on that? Uh, it's interesting in verse 20, uh, you know, David, uh, the child dies. Uh, 
uh, David uh, gets up uh, in all this disappointment, uh, you know, washes and goes out. And it says he goes to the house of the Lord to worship. You're in a challenging time in his life. Uh, he stayed connected to the fellowship, stayed connected to God. He did not run away. Amen for grieving, uh, needing time to have a break. But it's never time to have a break with the Lord. Are we with me on that? Uh, we need time to figure things out, but we got to stay connected. I love that about David. Uh, one of the things that I'm blown away at David here in this situation, consider his sin. He has committed adultery. He's covered up and he's killed this man's wife. Uh, and yet we can see I'm blown away at how outward focused David is, how little he is focused on himself. It says in verse uh, 13 uh, that David acknowledged that he sinned against the Lord. Right. Uh, in verse 16, it said that David actually sought God on behalf of the child. Okay, not even for him, but he's fasting and praying for the child. Even in verse 24, when the child dies, David finds himself comforting, is what the text says, comforting Bathsheba. Uh, in all these situations, uh, he is not focused on self. Okay, and as sinful as he is, not focused on self. Uh, one point for us today, I hope we can leave with, is set your sights off of self and set our sights onto the Savior. Okay. Setting our sights off of self and onto the Savior who has set us free. Uh, Interesting enough as well is not only does David not focus on himself, but his perspective of God is, man, out of this world. Uh, take notice in, in, uh, in verse 22, uh, he simply says this. Right? Uh, he answered, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows, the Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. Wow. Here's this guy been in so much sin, but so clued into who God is. So tapped into God's character. He's focusing on God and not himself. It's not about how much more he can do. It's not about how well he's done. It's about who God is. I'm reminded of Jonah in Jonah chapter three. Uh, and Jonah's called by God to preach to Nineveh. He's preaching to a people who have, uh, man, the Assyrians, the people who have uh, known for, you know, taking their uh, enemies and captive, putting hooks in their nose and dragging them away. And man, He's, he's like, God, you're sending me to these people to preach the word. 
And Jonah, Jonah says this in his prayer to God. Oh, Lord. He prays to the Lord. Oh, Lord. Is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Jonah 4, 2. Man, he, you know, even Jonah knew. David knew the character of God. How about us? We grasp that perspective. It's about not focusing on us, but focusing on God. Are we with me, brothers? Uh, you know, I think about my own life, uh, times that I've been stuck. Uh, the first time I was stuck was just even studying the Bible, you know, pretending to be in school. I was converted on campus. Uh, pretending to be in school for a semester, living in this big lie, uh, you know, and uh, studying the Bible around this school schedule, if you will. So embarrassed uh, about flunking out of school, so embarrassed about what my friends would say. Uh, my parents didn't have any idea. Uh, and uh, man, that was the first time I was stuck uh, and realized, man, I got to get open about the sin uh, in my life. Uh, maybe some of us here are, uh, you know, visiting with us and studying the Bible or uh, the need, uh, man, to be open with sin in our lives. Uh, I remember after uh, getting baptized and in different times in my life, going from leading and doing great to struggling <laughs> uh, and, and wondering if I'm even a Christian, right? Uh, and, and thinking, man, what's going on? Uh, th this stuck going from highs to lows. Uh, maybe we can relate to some of those times. Uh, I remember a time, uh, and, and many of us, I see some familiar faces, uh, remember a time of uh, leading and God stripping everything away. Uh, from leading singles to Bible talks to Households to, uh, I remember uh, the brother who was leading the church at that time said, "Bro, just, just come to church, bro. No responsibility, just come to church." Uh, man, stuck. During that time, I lost my girlfriend of two and a half years. Uh, the woman's ministry leader said to me, uh, "In her presence, she deserves the very best." Uh, stuck in relationships, uh, you know, moving from different places. Uh, we can find ourselves in different cultures or di different stages of life uh, and stuck in those ways. I've been stuck in my marriage. Uh, remember time being overseas and in in living in a place where there was a curfew and uh, Tasha and I having a disagreement and uh, and she said to me, uh, I want you to change A, B, C, and D, and the list just went on. She says, where are you taking us as a family? Uh, and I remember at that time wanting to get up and just leave. Uh, and if I had been somewhere else, it would have been easier to do so. 
but stuck, stuck in parenting, uh, you know, stuck in the ministry, returning back from the third world and thinking, can I even be a first world evangelist? Is that, is that possible for me? Uh, but all of these things, as I look at my life, uh, it's all about me. My focus is on me. And those are the times that, man, I have felt stuck because it's about what I can do, how people perceive me. Uh, you know, even coming to events like this, uh, you know, I was sharing with a brother, you know, when the staff comes together, we generally have great good news sharing. And even that atmosphere of, man, sharing what God is doing uh, and, and being concerned of what do people think about me as I share. Uh, man, such a, can be such a challenge. Uh, in those ways, I can feel stuck as well. The need to set our minds, not on self, but on the Savior. Look over in Luke chapter 13. I have a... I don't have a whole lot of practicals for us. Uh, as we look in Luke chapter 13, verse 11. But I hope to really, our eyes can be opened today as we look at a few more passages. And uh, look in Jesus, sorry, in verse 10. It says, on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. That must just, just sound crazy coming out of their mouths. <laughs> Verse 15, the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Another great study is looking at Jesus uh, and how Jesus comes on the scene. And whenever in the presence of Jesus, people change. People that were stuck become unstuck. And here we see the situation where Luke really gives us this contrast of what bound this woman up and what set this woman free. Uh, that it was Satan that had bound her for 18 years. And Jesus comes and says to her, woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Man, how exciting that is. Here's the thing, guys. I think we've got to realize that we are not stuck. 
in Jesus. We're not stuck in Jesus. In fact, it's Satan that wants us to think that we are stuck. If we're stuck in anything, it's in our thinking. Consider these passages. First Colossians, or first Colossians, Colossians. <laughs> Colossians chapter one. As Paul writes to the church. In verse 21, he says, uh, let's start in 15. Uh, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things, and in him, all things hold together. Amen. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21. Once. You were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Paul says once at one time we were alienated. One time we were messed up, but man, because of the resurrection, because of Jesus's death, we are now free from accusation. And man, Satan can't lie to us. He can try. And if we let him, then, ugh. but we are free from accusation. Are you with me on that? <laughs> Hebrews chapter two. No slides in here, so we just old school. That's right. <laughs> Chapter 2, verse 14. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery. By their fear of death. Again, we are free from the fear of death. Why? Because of what Jesus has already done for us. He's already done the work, fellas. We're already free if you're in Jesus. Jesus says in, 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 in John chapter 8, right? Uh, He says that uh, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. <laughs> Maybe that's not the answer that you want to hear. <laughs> but I think it is the truth. And that we've got to embrace it. Man, we're free. But we're living chained lives. We're listening to the lies that Satan is telling us. 
versus living free. Versus dreaming with freedom. And so here's the thing for me. Is when obstacles come. When challenges come. When things don't work out the way that I want them to work. Then I must be stuck. How many challenges did Jesus go through? Obviously, he wasn't stuck. That's the beauty of David. Is that, man, he had the mindset. And as sinful as he was, he didn't focus on him. But he saw God for who God is. And we, too, have to set our sights off of self and on the Savior who has set us free already. We are already free. My hope is we walk out here believing that. We, we think differently. We see these obstacles as not, I'm stuck. But man, an opportunity for God to do something greater with my, our lives. That we take note that, man, God is training us. That God is molding us. That we move from one stage of life to the next because God is trying to make us more holy like his son. Man, how many carpenters are, are great because they have one tool in their toolbox? We need all kinds of tools and the more tools you got, man, the more great things you can do. And God is molding us and training us, brothers. We're not stuck. We are free. Let's turn over to close us out in the book of Revelation. All right, bro. Revelation chapter 1. It's funny, as much as I, even studying this and, and seeing this, it's, so, it's still a challenge. I feel, I feel so challenged in keeping my eyes off of myself and just focusing on God. Uh, but it's, it's, it's challenged me to look at the scriptures differently. It's challenged me to, uh, you know, to pray differently and finding new ways to pray so that I can connect with God as who he is. As we close uh, in, in Revelation chapter 1. And uh, John says this in uh, verse 9. He says, I, John, your brother... And companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that our that ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus on the Lord's. Sorry, guys. Uh, wrong verse. Uh, one verse four. Is that what I said? I said four, but I was in the wrong verse. Uh, I may need more glasses. Um, uh, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests. To serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power 
forever and ever. Amen. And so, you know, John says a few things, uses a few verbs here uh, at, uh, in verse five. He says that Christ loves us, has freed us from our sins and has made us to be kingdom priests to serve him all because of Christ. You know, when I think about Jesus's life and this idea of being stuck, uh, I think Jesus was stuck literally, right? Stuck as in pierced, you know, in both hands and feet. That he was stuck on a cross. And for what reason? And for us. And we can look at his life, the challenges that he went through. And man, he endured. And he pushed through. All for us. That he kept his eyes on, on, on God. Reminded of him in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's like, man, this is not what I want. <laughs> There's another way. But by, by the time of leaving the Garden of Gethsemane in prayer, he's like, man, my betrayer. Here he comes. Hey, let's do this. Why? His eyes fixed on God. Seeing him clearly. I think his eyes fixed on us too. You know, dying for us in mind. You know, if Jesus was willing to go through that pain for us, how much pain of being stuck are you willing to endure? Man, you're out there praying and, and you feel like God's not there, but you're still praying. Man, is it, is it all worth it? I'm thinking, man, you know what? I'm praying. I don't feel anything. But man, I am free. And God's doing this thing in his time. God, I, I prayed for this and you did not give it to me. But amen, God, you are in control. I'm free. Oh, man, I'm a, I'm, I must be uh, called by you to do something else. But I think we're, we're so in our minds, we're so consumed with what we want and our plan of how God wants to use us versus really submitting ourselves to his plan. Guys, we're being stuck by Satan himself. May we open our eyes and may our response be, man, I want to be a servant for Christ. I'm going to be his priest. I'm going to be his servant. May we not lose sight that we have been freed and that in this whole process, God loves us. Amen. Set your sights off of self and onto the Savior who has already set us free, brothers. I believe if our perspective changes on this, when we leave here, we will see things from God's view and not from our own. That we will be free to do all that God plans for us. Let's live like that in the ACR. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's have some great fellowship.